Well, thank you, choir, orchestra. That just makes me want to pray. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you this morning. We've already heard enough truth to last us the rest of our life. From what we've learned in Sunday school to what we've proclaimed, truth this morning that we have sung. I pray, God, that we would hold on to every bit of the truth we've sung. That's not just a song that we sing and it just comes off our lips so easily, but really take hold of the truths. And even for these next moments, take your word and its truth. I pray, God, as we open up uh, your word, God, help us uh, right at the outset. Just say, yes, Lord, whatever you have to say, it's already yes. I don't have to wait and hear but I'm just going to go ahead and agree. I'm going to go ahead and say I want to obey fully. And I pray, God, that you'd speak to each of our hearts. Even though in my heart and mind for weeks I've been thinking of these seniors, because this is your word, it is for every one of us. Whether we're here or we're listening online or later we might hear this uh, some other time in a recording, I pray that we would hear it as what you have to say to us from your word today. Ask this in your name. Amen. If you would take your Bible, you can turn to the book of Ephesians. This is where we'll camp out for most of our morning. For some of the other passages, if it is kind of difficult, maybe you're new to Scripture, and it's difficult maybe to find where you're at on your notes, you'll see that there are some passages other than the book of Ephesians. You can look there if you would like. And so, again, uh, this is really a privilege of mine. Uh, Marty usually at the first of the year kind of looks at some dates that he might be gone and asks if I would cover for him. And this is providential because uh, for years now I've been able to get to speak on a Senior Recognition Sunday. And it happened to be that I wasn't going to, so I was kind of bummed. And yet the Lord kind of worked it out to where, I, and so I'm really privileged. For um, for Braden, you saw up here, and Sierra, and then John back here, um, I had the privilege of getting to see most of these uh, seniors along with uh, Kicker, like uh, from when they were born. And we got to have all these years of watching them grow up, specifically for me, when they come into the fifth and sixth grade. We call it the bridge. And the reason we named it that, because we tell them, hey, listen, you just need to get over it, all right? Like, get over this part of your life, moving on. And so I've had these guys uh, in the fifth and sixth grade. Now, other than Sierra, Sierra, I'm just helping you back there, right? Other than Sierra, the word that comes to me for these others is goofy. Because in fifth and sixth grade, uh, I, 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 listen, I'm just being honest. Most of you that are fifth and sixth grade are just a little goofy right now. But anyway, as you get older like me, you come back to that stage, all right? So don't worry, you'll come back to goofy. But I just remember as they stood up, I just can tell you story after story. It's just uh, the funniest thing ever. But another great thing that I get to do is Kicker lets me come along on some of their mission trips and just recently, we were at um, Camp Barnabas and get to work alongside them. I, I've gotten to go to what we call Mission Arlington every summer and get to see alongside them. Been in many of their homes. Again, uh, for Kicker and I, it's just an incredible privilege today to be able to recognize you. But I want you to know, seniors, I've been thinking of you and praying. 
The rest of you can listen in because it's from the Word of God. It will apply to every person in this room. But I've really been thinking of you seniors, so I hope that you'll really pay attention this morning. All of life, we go through seasons of life. There are different seasons. They are not necessarily the same amount of time, are they? For those of you that are small, the season you're in, you kind of think like, will this ever be over? Then as you go into like a different season of life, sometimes they're shorter, sometimes they're longer. Sometimes they are full of difficulty. Sometimes seasons are like breezing through and like nothing happens. For some of us in this room, we're in maybe the latter seasons of our life, and sometimes they can be very, very difficult. And honestly, changing seasons, sometimes you and I need to be reminded. I know when you're younger, you might not think you need this reminder. As you get older, you realize, I need to be reminded of these things over and over again. In fact, if you look in your worship notes, there in 2 Peter, Peter, as he's ending his letter, in fact, he is telling us that he's coming to the end of his life, he tells us something. He says, therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them are an established in truth that you have. I think it right as long as I'm in this body to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made it clear to me, I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. And so in other words, Peter is reminding them of things they've heard over and over again. In fact, you will probably hear some things over and over again. You might hear these things this morning like, I've heard that before. But I hope that you will never get into where I have at times where like, I've heard that before and so I tune it out. And yet it might be the very thing that you hear at this time that it really resonates in your soul. So always be cautious like, oh, I've heard that before, to be careful that this is another reminder of some truths that you and I often either forget, we haven't applied them fully to our lives at this time, or we need to like, yes, I know that, I am hanging on to that, I'm going to move forward in that. And so I'm going to remind you of some things. And so if you will, there in Ephesians, we're going to start in chapter 1. And I just want to, first of all, say this. Whenever you and I come, especially to Ephesians chapter 1, you and I always, some have more difficult than other. But you have to realize this is the Word of God. Do you believe it? And that's a rhetorical question. This is the Word of God. Do you believe it? Okay, no one believes it. All right. So anyway, so we'll start all over. So Ephesians chapter 1, oftentimes kind of messes with people. Some of the things that's said in chapter 1 are like, I quite can't put all that together. You have to realize that heresy throughout the ages has come whenever someone has tried to take a passage of Scripture that they cannot fully grasp and try to simplify it. Does that make sense? So if you take some of the things that we will read here in chapter 1 and you try to resolve it with some simplistic 
thing, watch out. You could slip into heresy. What you need to come to anytime you read Scripture is, listen, this is God's Word. I believe it. I might not be able to fully comprehend everything because isn't that wonderful? God is such a God and His Word is such a, a Word that you and I here on earth might not fully comprehend all of it. It'll probably take eternity for all of us to grasp it. That's why we'll be in heaven for eternity. And so I hope that you understand what we're about to read. For some, it's very difficult. But I want you to hear this very first thing, seniors especially, but all of you, if you are a child of God, that you belong to God. See, whenever you and I change seasons of life, sometimes because of the difficulty of it, or the difference of it, or the disappointment that comes in it, or the more heartache that comes with it, we can forget some things. In fact, I'm reminded of like, you remember when you were like kindergarten to sixth grade? By the time you got to sixth grade, you thought you were real hot stuff. Then you went to junior high and you realized, oh, I'm back at the bottom again. And then you go through high school and you become a senior and you're like, man, I'm at the top of the deal. And then you go to college and you realize I'm at the bottom again, kind of a deal. And then as you keep growing, it just seems like that goes on and on. And so the changing is always... But I'm telling you, the truth is, as a child of God, you need to continually remember that you belong to God. In fact, 1 Peter is written to a group of people that are dying. And how does Peter address them, inspired by God? He continues to remind them, even though they are being martyred and killed, burned at the stake, that they belong to God. He will not lose you. In fact, I hope you always kind of hear the songs you sing. Jonathan is always good at asking, like, what are you preaching? And he begins to take uh, songs that kind of go along with the passages that we'll look at. And I hope you realize that you belong to God means he has a hold of you in the midst of whatever you're going through. And so if you will, just follow along, starting in verse 1 of Ephesians. I'm sorry, we're going to start in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Can you fully comprehend all the spiritual blessings that you've been given in Christ? No. In fact, for most of us, we will not appreciate all that God has done for us here on earth. That's why we're going to be there for eternity Because you and I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing that are in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Please don't let that trip you up. For many of you, I was raised in a particular church that said, I chose God. It's when I came to a place in my life that I said, oh, I'm going to choose him. Yet Jesus reminded his disciples that they did not choose him. In fact, you and I do not choose God on our own. A dead person cannot choose God. And so the scripture is clear to say that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption 
to himself as sons through Jesus. Whenever you go to adopt someone, is it the child that adopts the parent or the parent that adopts the child? Yeah, it's always the parent. You and I were adopted into the family according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Has God ever asked you and I an opinion? Never. It's according to his will. So that we, who are the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Listen to verse 14. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we require possession of it to the praise of his glory. In fact, Marty preached through Ephesians. It took him how many years to get through this chapter? And he just touched the hem of it. It'll take all of eternity for you and I to realize what the verses we just read fully, fully mean. But the truth is, verse 13, one day, and I'm talking to you seniors, I hope you And I I remember some of you seniors when this took place, that God had given you faith and you believed. He gave you faith and you believed and you were sealed, which tells you and I what? That you belong to God. In fact, there might be some of you even here this morning. This is the first time ever Maybe you've heard the word of God in this particular light and you realize you have never come to faith in Christ. And yet, maybe even at this moment, God has given you faith to believe. Hear me, it is never up to you. It is never like you're going to generate this faith up. It is going to be when the Spirit of God awakens your heart And he begins to draw you to himself. And that he gives you the faith to respond to him choosing you. Because the truth is, not just seniors, but if you have trusted Christ, you must remember always this, that you belong to God. You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. You are not your own to do whatever you choose to do. You have been bought with a price.
price. You belong to God. Have I hammered that enough? No. Because you and I will constantly need to be reminded, we belong to God. I hope that you have your passages ready to flip. Because you belong to God, chapter 2, verse 10, if you would, says this. For we are his workmanship, literally work of art. We've been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared, or he divinely arranged them beforehand, that we should walk in them. I want to remind you that because you belong to God, look at chapter 3, if you will, starting in verse 20. 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. Is that beyond your just comprehension? Because I can think up and I can imagine some pretty incredible things. And yet scripture tells me that he is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I want to remind you that because you belong to God, look at chapter 4, if you will, starting in verse 1. I therefore, Paul says, a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And again, for a move forward, I just want to remind you, as you grow in seasons of life, here's the deal. Some of you seniors, you're going to go to college maybe close by. Maybe you're going to go to a Votech. Maybe you're going to stay here. Some of you, over time, the Lord might move away. For every one of us in this room, God has things for us, no matter where you find yourself out. I hope that you will remember that you belong to God. In fact, I don't know if you've ever just said it out loud. And so I would ask that if you know that you belong to God, would you just say it with me? I belong to God. I hope you will always remember that. Not only that, I just want to encourage you to be watchful. Not only that you belong to God, that you will be watchful. In fact, Ephesians, if you will, chapter 5, look at verse 15. Ephesians 5.15, it says, Look carefully then how you walk. It literally means how you live life, how you are walking through life. Not as unwise, or maybe some of your translations say foolish, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, just for a moment, I want to camp on this. Look carefully. Now, whenever I first read that, I just remember growing up, my mother's words to me were constantly, be careful. Be careful. Like, be careful. Now, my name is Jimmy. If you've never realized that in every movie, every TV episode, the kid that is constantly in trouble is named Jimmy. 
Like I was reading to a book this week, and the, the author said, you know, to not use the person's name to give him away. We'll just call him Jimmy. I'm like, what? Like, why am I reading this book now? And it's like something he did wrong. Like, and so growing up, my mother was constantly saying, now be careful. Now, I just have to tell you, as a male, whenever my wife says that to me, I kind of revolt. Not that uh, my name's Jimmy, but because, because I'm a male, like, what if I don't want to be safe? Like, what if I just want to, you know, and I'm not saying be reckless and stupid. Sorry, parents. I just said a bad word. At your lunchtime, you're going to have to say, Pastor Jimmy said something wrong. It was that S word. I'm sorry. Dumb, maybe. That's what I should have said. All right, that's a bad one, too. I'm not saying do that, but, like, be safe. So I hope you don't, whenever Scripture says, look carefully and be safe, because I I just want you to think for a moment. Do we live in a safe world? Like, be safe? What's that mean? Crawl under a rock? Don't be involved in anything that exalts Christ or takes the gospel elsewhere? I missed this trip. Last time I went was 2011. It was the year my parents died. And Mike McGee invited me to go to Nundu in the Congo. In fact, today they're crossing the border of Rwanda. They will be driving for about eight hours along one of the longest lakes in the world on four-wheel drive roads. The missionary Randy, who picked us up, by the way, Randy is 85 years old. And his wife, Allison, 85 years old, missionaries in the Congo. They're from Seattle, Washington. Six months a year, they go to the Congo. And they picked them up early this morning. And in their old 1963 Toyota Cruiser, they are taking this four-wheel drive road, and they'll come to a river. In fact, about five or six of them. And they'll come to a river, and there's a bridge... But you don't want to drive over the bridge. It's bad. It's bad. And so we would just drive through the river. And, of course, by the time we got to the mission house, we're wet up to here because the water comes into the vehicle. I'm just telling you all this. Today, Mike and Sam are in a dangerous place. And guess what we did? We sent them. And hopefully you're praying for them. But again, seniors, I hope you don't hear like when it says, look carefully. Because honestly, you and I know this. If it does not challenge us, it won't change us. And so as you're growing up, you're going to be challenged. And so I hope that you hear that. And young people, I hope you hear this too. When it says to look carefully... It's not necessarily saying, like, it's all going to be just great if you look carefully. Because I want you, if you will, look over in the notes. There's a little quote. It says, courage and conviction 
is developed when you are convinced of the truth and you choose to obey even though you are afraid. If you wait until there is no fear, you will not build courage and conviction. I hope even parents hear this as well for your children. Unless you and I, no matter what your age, your maturity level in Christ is, you will never build courage and conviction until you are convinced that the Word of God is true and that you're going to obey it even though there's some fear. In fact, just to quote a great theologian, my dad thought this guy was the greatest, John Wayne. Courage is being scared to death and saddling up any way. And so, hear me, senior or honestly, no matter what stage or where you're at in life, I hope you'd realize this, that you have not arrived, I have not arrived. I still need more courage. I still need my convictions to be strengthened and rooted deeper and tempered harder and faster and the roots to go deeper. And it'll never happen until I obey, I take God's word, obey, even though I find myself a bit scared. I hope you parents realize that a real gift has been given to your kids over the years. Uh, Kicker, I'm not trying to build him up, but Kicker, he takes our young people to things like Camp Barnabas. If you've never heard or never been or don't know much about it, you ought to find out more from it. But Camp Barnabas... Our kids are put in a tough situation. We take them to things called Mission Arlington, where they're put, not necessarily in dangerous, but they're put in some tough situations. And young people, you don't have to say amen or whatever, but I am looking at y'all, okay? So don't be looking down, like making eye contact. But the thing is about these two situations It causes you to what? Trust what God says. You choose to obey it, even though there's some fear in all of it. Isn't that right? Boy, yeah. Hey, I'm I'm just with you. I've been afraid at times as well. That's why I tell you to go do that if I'm your leader, right? You go do that. Yeah, because I'm afraid you can go do it. So the thing is, look carefully then how you walk not as unwise, but as wise. And here's the reason it says this. Because you and I were once unwise. And if we're not very careful, very careful, it is easy to drift into being unwise. We're surrounded by evil. Life is a minefield. You and I must be watchful. So you and I must be looking out. In fact, In the country of Bosnia, to this day, they say, when you're there, always walk on the well-worn paths anywhere you go. So while I was there, I can remember Slajan, we'd be walking through the woods, and he would just say, hey, listen, just stay on this well-worn path. 
whenever we would be walking elsewhere, he would always be going like, hey, follow me. He never did say like, here's the reason why, because there are still unexploded landmines from the war in Bosnia. It is one country that there are more amputees than any other place in the world because people are still stepping on landmines. And the truth is, you and I live not in Bosnia. We live in a whole world that is full of landmines. And you and I must constantly be on the watch. And so that's why I want to encourage you a couple things you can fill in there. And that is this. Stay accountable. Stay accountable. That's why, if you will, look in chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, bear with me as you read these 16. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descends is the one who also ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles and the prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro, waves carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Because you belong to God, he has placed you in the body of Christ. If you are a believer, because you belong to God, you have been placed in the body of Christ. That means every one of us that are believers, you're either a foot, a hand, an ankle, a toe, an ear. It doesn't matter what it is because it is God who has chosen the kind of how he has gifted you to be in a part of the body of Christ. But hear me, you are a part of the body of Christ. And every part of your body has a function. And it is what? To serve the other parts of the body. Is that not right? Like if you have a part of the body that just decides, listen, I'm going to do my own thing and not serve any other part of the body, you have a major, major issue. An inactive member is not only unhelpful, but it's unhealthy to the body. And here's what I would say to all of us but seniors. Whether you stay here at Heritage or God takes you maybe to a school somewhere else, or later in life God 
takes you from here and places you somewhere else, you are still a part of the body of Christ, and you are to be active in that. God has never called us to himself, put us in his body, and said, listen, don't do anything. Just be apathy, just like don't stretch, don't move, don't flex, don't do anything. And hear me, it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your age. If you are a believer, he has placed you in the body of Christ, you are to be an active member, active, active. Be accountable. Here's one other thing. You've heard this all of your life growing up at Heritage. But stay in the Word. How will you, how will I ever be careful in this world if I am not constantly reminding myself of what God says, the schemes of the devil, how will I ever know? You and I must stay in the Word of God. Verses, if you will, 16. Making the best use of the time. In other words, it means to buy up, seize every opportunity of time that you have. Why? Because the days are evil. In other words, this little phrase is simply saying evil is consuming all of time. And the time that you and I have, you and I are to be buying up, seizing it. We're to be using it up. James says what? Life is a vapor. Not like today's vapor, okay? We're not talking vaping. We're talking like it is here and it is gone. In fact, there's a quote there that says this. When we're young, we kill time. When we're in middle age, we're trying to find time. When you're old, you're trying to be wise with what time you have. When you die, you're out of time. The deal is time is precious, Time is so precious. If you were here Wednesday night for the Awana commencement, Billy gave this particular, it's in your notes. There is a book called Tech Savvy Parenting, but there is also, if you can go to this link, any of us here at Heritage, you can go to that link, sign up, and every Monday morning you will get an email for a year that as a parent will help you with navigating your children through technology, through iPhones, through all of that. My, my uh, suggestion to you is you should give your children an iPhone when they're 35. <laughs> In other words, when they can buy it and be responsible. iPhone, just iPhone. Relationships suffer. The average person who has an iPhone touches it 2,617 times a day, and the average, average, above average person touches it 5,400 times a day. It is a wrecker. That's not even a word, is it? A wrecker? A wrecker of relationships. Sharon and I were at a restaurant not too long the other day, and we're sitting across from each other, and we're ordering, and a family of four comes and sits to the booth next to us, and all four of them get on their phones. Well, I thought, being naive, well, they're just texting each other because that's 
how people communicate nowadays. They're just texting each other instead of talking. And, I, I mean, it was uh, hard enough not to just, you know, want to look over and say, I won't even tell you what I was thinking of saying. And the thing is, it is a wrecker of relationships. The ability to pay, pay attention is suffering. Did you know that a goldfish has the attention span of eight seconds? I don't know how they ever came up with that. Some probably government program. But did you know now the average human is seven seconds? We're losing the goldfish? Like a goldfish can keep attention longer than the average person? Because the iPhone is causing attention to suffer. It's causing the loss of sleep. So energy suffers. When you lay in bed and you turn on your screen, that screen tells a chemical in your brain to wake up. So this chemical is going off in your brain, not just kids but adults, and it's saying wake up and the loss of sleep and how it is affecting schoolwork and job performance. Money suffers. Here's just one deal of money suffering. Candy Crush alone grosses over $850,000 a day. But it's free. It's free on your phone. So my encouragement to you is do not waste time. Do not kill time. In fact, verse 17, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. In other words, do not let anything control you that would cause you to be foolish. And not just to you seniors, but to every one of us, you and I are not to be subjected to anything that would cause us to be foolish. And here's the thing. Just because it's legal does not make it right. And in a minute, we'll pray, and I'm going to sneak out the back, and if you want to talk to me, you can, some other, I'm just messing with you. Hear me, students. Just because our government has made things legal does not make it right. For a believer, for a non-believer, for a believer, just because it's legal, But the rest of the verse says this, but be filled with the Spirit. Be controlled by the Spirit of God. In fact, if you look over your notes, there's a verse in Colossians 3.16 that is really just the same as this verse in Ephesians. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In other words, that it takes up residence in you. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. In other words, being filled with the Spirit is equivalent to being filled with the Word of God and obeying it all the time. Here's my last, if you will. Not only that you belong to God, that you remember that, and that you continually be watchful, but I hope that you'll remember this, that you will be strong in the Lord. In fact, if you will, chapter 6, and this is where I'll in this morning, Ephesians 6, starting verse 10, 
Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. In other words, it means to cinch up your belt. It means to secure on your sword. If you live back in this day, if you were going to put your sword on, if you were going to cinch up your armor, you had to put on a belt. It means to have a mindset of being ready. In fact, if you look over in your notes, 1 Peter 1.13 says kind of the same thing. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober. Another version says, be prepared. Be prepared, your minds, for action and exercise self-control. And in Luke 12, Jesus said, be dressed in readiness. And so back then, if you were going to go into battle and you look next to you and a guy did not have his belt on, in other words, his armor was hanging loosely, he didn't have his sword to his side, you would want to step away from him. Because when the charge was to take off to battle, you don't want to be next to him. Because he's not ready. He has not prepared himself to be ready. And here being strong in the Lord means cinch it up. Put on the belt. Commitment. It is, are you ready for what's ahead? Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and I don't mean simplistic, but it is simply put, live a holy life. Because the breastplate, what did it do? It covered your heart. And holy living helps cover your heart. Because the moment you and I kind of let holiness slide, maybe it is mental, then it becomes emotional, then it becomes a full-out action. And so living a holy life protects you. Verse 15, and your shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace means because you belong to God, he is at peace with you. Because of the shed blood of his son, he is for you, not against you. Here's the deal. I don't know if you've ever heard like, I've made my peace with God. No one ever makes their peace with God. You and I can't make peace with God. It was God who made peace with us. Because of his son. And he went all out to make peace with us. That means he is for you. He is for you. In other words, he's not going to leave you alone. He's not against you. You're not going to go anywhere that he doesn't go with you. He is committed to you. You then should realize he is with me every moment. Verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one means 
that you believe his word. You believe his promises. You believe that, hey, God has said this, and I'm going to believe this, even though sometimes you'll be like the guy in the Bible who said, I believe, but help my, do you remember what he said? My unbelief. You and I oftentimes will be like that. Like, I believe, but God help me with my unbelief. But believe in the promises of God. And take up the helmet of salvation. Uh, Bear with me for a moment. Helmet of salvation means you realize that you have been justified. You have been forgiven of your past sin. If you're a child of God, you've been forgiven of your past sin. Satan often will come and bring up the past. If you don't realize that your helmet of salvation is realizing I've been justified, he'll bring up all the past and he'll waylay you. But the helmet of salvation is also that he is sanctifying. In other words, he's not done with me yet. I have pulled some real doozies. And Satan goes, man, a child of God would never do that. And you have to realize I'm in the midst of sanctification. And sanctification will take all the rest of your life. In fact, your sin dies slow. Your growth is slow. Sanctification takes a lifetime. And it's realizing I'm still in the midst of being sanctified. But then to realize that one day I will be glorified. I will be saved. I will be with him forever. And you get in life and maybe even in the older, as you get older, life is so difficult and you think this is it. No, this is not it. This is not it. The best is yet to come. But here's the last one I want to camp on and we'll be done. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So I don't have any swords, but I do like to blacksmith. So I brought a couple things. So I brought this hammer, and this hammer actually says that it is uh, 24 pounds. Now this hammer, I don't use much. So whenever I get the metal hot, I use this hammer to spread it out. And so it weighs 24 pounds the first swing. The second swing is 34 pounds. The third, it it keeps growing over time. So the thing is, I use this very sparingly, very sparingly. And so a soldier, Roman soldier, would have two swords. He'd have a large sword because when he went into battle, he just went to swinging. And the thing is, you better have a death grip on this and a death grip on the Word of God. And know it. You need to know it. But here's the thing. Whenever the soldiers got closer in battle, the big sword was not effective because you couldn't swing it. So then, this is another one of my hammers. It's three pounds. I like using this to finish things off. And the thing is, this is a smaller, kind of like the soldier had a smaller dagger. Now, here's what's this meaning. You and I need to know the Word of God. But you need to know specifics in the Word of God. For every one of us in this room, we are acceptable to certain temptations. I'm susceptible to specific temptations. 
I need to have specific passages in the Bible. I am susceptible to depression. I am susceptible to being fearful. Do you know what passages I have fully memorized? You probably have other passages. I have ones that are very specific to what I know he is going to attack me with. My encouragement, seniors and all of us, you would have a death grip on God's word in the midst of all this. Would you bow your head with me? Father, I pray that you'd remind not only our seniors, but every one of us that name the name of Christ, that we belong to you. I pray that folks hearing this would not think that we're talking universalism because we are not all God's children. And Lord, I pray that even this morning, if someone this morning has heard your word, and you have been calling them. You have been speaking to their hearts. You have been convicting them of their lack of faith, lack of looking to you. They are going the opposite way of you. They are not seeking you, and yet they have been awoken even today. May they turn to you. Repent and turn in faith. To you even today. And I pray that those of us that do know you, we would remind ourselves often that we belong to you and that we must be watchful and we must be strong in the Lord. I pray for my brothers and sisters that are seniors today. I pray that you'll put them in places and other people in their lives that they will be reminded over and over again. In fact, some of us this morning have heard these things over and over again, yet maybe it's this time it caught. Maybe it's this time they realize, I belong to God. I don't go anywhere without Him. He never leads me where He's not going with me. He is for me, not against me. I pray today you take your word, help us to be strong. Because we come here today not to just hear and write it in a book, but to apply it to our hearts and lives and walk out of this room into a mind-filled, dangerous world where you have called us to be your representatives in every part of it. No matter if it's in a school or at a job or in a home or a neighborhood. It doesn't matter if it's at the coffee shop because maybe we're retired or wherever we are, we are to represent you as children of God. Help us today take these reminders that this week we would be strengthened by them and you would use us in the lives of other people, even this week. I pray that you'd lead us to people who need you, people who are in 
incredible need of a word. I pray that we would be those people that would take it to them. I ask this in your name.